All right. I'm ready whenever you from double day to current day. This is vintage baseball rewind. And we bring you five things. Every baseball fan should know about what happened on December 19th. Uh, today's show, we got Joe DiMaggio who goes East, a crash landing into Baltimore. Ernie Howell gets fired. And of course, Doc Ellis as an amazing character. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Fenway Park. This is Mark Fidrich. Now, each time he gets the ball back, you'll see him mumble a couple of words to the ball. The first man ever to pitch five career no-hitters. Catch him all, Joe! I don't believe what I just saw! Today, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. Now, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we invite you to rise. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Tom Hannon from Tom's Vintage Baseball. We bring you the voices of baseball. I'm joined today by uh, Matt Musico from MLB Daily Dingers. How's it going today, Matt? I'm good, Tom. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. We're going to jump right into it, and I'm going to bring you some trivia. Uh, so this is uh, about a future Hall of Famer. Uh, he was signed just a few hours after he graduated from high school. And he is going to break Ty Cobb's record for the youngest batting champ. And he's also going to tie Tris Speaker's record of playing 100-plus games um, in 19 straight seasons. Uh, he made this really interesting quote, which you would never hear today. Uh, he was offered a $100,000 salary. And he said, I don't deserve such a salary. I didn't have a good season last year. The ball club's been good so, so far, and it's been decent to me, and I'd prefer... Uh, you give me a rate when I deserve it. <laughs> well, it seems like an honorable man, whoever he is. Um, <laughs> well, we'll find out soon. Yeah, yeah. So we'll start on uh, in 1934. On this day in 1934, December 19th, the New York Yankees send five players to the San Francisco Seals of the Pacific Coast League as partial compensation for the acquisition of Joe DiMaggio. The Yankees had previously paid $25,000 for the future Hall of Famer. DiMaggio will play one more season in the PCL before reporting to the Yankees in 1936. In that season, DiMaggio will hit 323 with 125 RBI and helping the Yankees to a World Series title. Whatever the cost ended up being, I'm pretty sure the Yankees got a deal on that. When I think of Joe DiMaggio, if you look at those first uh, five, six years before he went to the war, he was the perfect baseball player. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, there was nothing he didn't do well. He had Average RBIs, power. He played fantastic center field. My, I of course never got to see him other than videos. But my dad said he was the perfect baseball player that uh, for all the players he'd ever seen. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah, like we we've talked about it before. You take a look at a player's baseball reference page. Nothing but bold, and nothing but consistent bold. It's just crazy. And to think about what could have been had they not had to go and serve in the war. Thankfully, they did to help us out, but. You know, if they didn't, what could have happened for so many different ballplayers? Yeah, if you're a stat geek and you look at his first uh, before he went to the war, you basically were looking at Albert Pujols mm -hmm. uh, for, mm -hmm. for comparison. So we're going to um, jump ahead. Uh, December 19th, 1976. This was uh, a heck of an event uh, when a single uh, engine pepper Cherokee plane crashes into the upper deck in Baltimore's Memorial Stadium, the home of the Orioles. The, injuring the pilot and three others. 
Minutes prior to the mishap, the plane had buzzed the stadium during the final moments of the Steelers playoff game over the Colts. The pilot of the <laughs> Piper Cherokee was 33-year-old Donald Croner. Croner served three months of a two-year sentence for malicious destruction of property in violation of aviance ordinances. Uh, Croner had been arrested prior uh, to the stadium incident for making threats against uh, former Colt Bill Pellington. Um, this included Croner being accused of dropping a bottle of toilet paper from his plane onto the roof of his house uh, in restaurant. And according to a news report, Croner was upset over being thrown out of the restaurant. Croner uh, died in 2013. Uh, he had been fired as an MTA bus driver the day before the crash. He'd also been a flight instructor and, according to some accounts, had worked as an air traffic controller. In 1980, he was charged with stealing a Greyhound bus from Dulles International Airport. Thinking about a crash and then being fired, that's a tough week, a real tough week for that guy. All right, so we'll move ahead again, uh, December 19th, 1990. At a press conference, Tiger Management and WJR announced 1991 will be Ernie Harwell's 32nd and final season in the broadcast booth. The dismissal of the Motor City's popular play-by-play announcer starts a fur among fans, which includes a threatened boycott of Domino's Pizza, a business, a business of club owner Tom Monahan, and the rise of the slogan, Say It Ain't So, Bo, which appears on bumper stickers and t-shirts all over Detroit, referring to Bo Schembechler, the team president and former University of Michigan football coach. Harwell's situation is not going to change no matter how much claimer is made over it, said team, team president Bo Schembechler. The situation caused outrage so much that some made threats of violence against, against Schembechler. Some, such as Mitch Album, blamed the situation causing as much negative feeling as it did on WJR executive Jim Long, who was the one who pushed the quick no-severance pay removal of Harwell in the first place. The movement in favor of keeping Harwell was so strong that even billboards in favor of his remaining were put up. Rick Riz was hired away from the Seattle Mariners to replace Harwell in 1992, teaming with Bob Rathman. Harwell worked a part-time schedule for the California Angels in 1992. The following year, the Tigers were purchased by Mike Illich, who made it one of his first priorities to bring Harwell back. In 1993, Harwell teamed with Riz and Rathbun on WJR broadcasts, playing, uh, calling play-by-play of the middle innings in each game. From 1994 to 98, Harwell called television broadcasts for the Tigers on past sports and later on WKBD-TV. In 1999, he resumed full-time radio duties with the team, swapping roles with Frank, Be- Frank Beckman, who had replaced Riz in the radio booth following the 1994 season. Teaming with analyst Jim Price and continuing, continuing in that role as the team's radio rights changed from WJR to WXYT in 2001. During spring, trainings in t- spring training in 2002, Harwell announced that he would retire at the end of the season. His final broadcast came on September 29, 2002, and Dan Dickerson, who had joined Harwell and Price in 2000, took over as the Tigers' lead radio voice. The thing that jumps out to me here is that the Tigers' Tigers ownership, essentially just a couple of pizza joints, because it's Domino's, and then wasn't Illich, I think, wasn't he, he was Caesars, right? Then he owned Caesars and, and other things as well, too. But I think that was his main, his other main thing. Yeah, pizza, pizza. And, and of course, uh, Howell was just a historic announcer, and I know a lot of Tiger fans and they still talk about this uh, when you talk about moments in history that they remember mm-hmm. uh, and it wasn't for the good. And, yeah. and they were so glad when he came back. Yeah. 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 That's, that's something that lives on forever. It's like the Mets talking about 
or Mets fans talking about the Mets trading Tom Seaver, something that people will just never get over, probably. Go to an entirely different character from Ernie Howell. I'm going to talk about um, Doc Ellis, uh, who passed away on this day, December 19, 2008, in Los Angeles. Uh, Ellis was a solid pitcher for the Bucs, and he's best known for his June 12, 1970 event, when his name is ever is just going to be etched in Major League Baseball history. That's the night that he uh, pitched a no-hitter um, high on LSD. Uh, he walked eight batters. He beat the Padres two-zip on the strength of two Willie Stodger home runs. Uh, you know, uh, if you've ever heard that interview, it's unbelievable. And I'm going to add it to this podcast when he talks about the, the whole event. He, in uh, 1971, he also had a uh, 14 and three record at the All-Star break. And he, and he's famously said that uh, baseball wouldn't let two soul brothers, he invited blue start the All-Star game together. In hindsight, he really, uh, he should have skipped the All-Star game because he's the fellow that gave up Reggie Jackson's Titanic blast at Tiger Stadium. He was also the starter when the Pirates became the first team to start nine black players. Uh, which was a historic moment. Um, and Ellis would never want to avoid uh, controversy. He also hit uh, the first three Reds on May 1st, 1974, because he felt his team was uh, playing a little lackluster. Uh, he's going to eventually be um, traded to the Yankees. Um, and he, in 1976, he's going to win the Comeback Player of the Year, winning 17 games. Uh, he, he's going to finish up his career with 138 wins versus 119 losses and a 346 ERA. And like I said, at the end of the podcast, I'm going to add that interview uh, about him with the um, telling his story about when he was high, high pitching the, uh, the no hitter. I can't imagine a doing that and then B watching that and then finding out afterwards what actually happened underneath, underneath everything too. Just seems like such a ridiculous series of events. When he tells the story, have you heard it before? I have not, no. It, very interesting. He tells a story about co going to the park. He was already, uh, he was stoned when he got to the park. <laughs> and then he went, he got a bunch of amphetamines from a dealer at the park. Uh, and then he, he took those before the game. And he said that uh, he couldn't really even see, you know, in hindsight, he did have eight walks. But yeah, I was going to say that explains that. So that's good, but still, nobody could hit him either. Right, right. Well, it's kind of like a Nolan Ryan start. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Could I go home? Because we had an off day. So he said, yeah. So I took some LSD at the airport because I knew where it would hit me. I'd be in my own my little area and I'd know where to go. So that's how I got to uh, my friend's girlfriend's house. She said, what's wrong with you? I said, I'm high as a Georgia Pine. <laughs> the next day, which I thought was the next day, she told me, you better get up. You got to go pitch. I said, pitch? I pitch tomorrow. Hell, what are you talking about? Because I had got up in the middle of the morning and took some more acid. She grabbed the paper, brought me the sports page, and showed me, boom. I said, oh, wow. What happened to yesterday? So uh, before we get to trivia, just a quick word about Tom's Vintage Baseball. We like to say baseball is the only game you can watch on the radio. Uh, Tom's Vintage Baseball is all about the voices of the game, announcers, game highlights, and interviews. So today we talked to like a little bit about Joe DiMaggio. There's dozens of DiMaggio moments, um, including the 1938 uh, World Series when he faces Dizzy Dean and he hits a... Uh, a home run off of him in the eighth inning uh, when he becomes the first rookie to start an all-star game in 1936. And of course, with Ellis, there's the 1971 World Series. And Ernie Howell, he is all over 
dozens of games on Tom's Vintage Baseball. So uh, you can listen to him call the 68 World Series um, along with so many others. Uh, you know, there's 300 games uh, on for the regular season, and there's over 200 uh, World Series games. They scale from the 30s to 70s, interviews and game highlights. And the cool thing is you can take the recordings anywhere you go with the app. All the regular season games are free to listen to. Um, we have a premium version as well. We have neglected to say this on the other podcast, but we also have a rewards program. So if you head on over, there's free stuff if you uh, if you want to join that program as well. Tom'sVintageBaseball.com. And Matt, how about that trivia? Yeah, so this bonus baby was signed by Ed Catalinas just a few hours after he graduated from high school. And at the time he signed the contract, he was wearing the suit he was going to wear for his graduation celebration, which is probably some nice symmetry for him as well. Uh, in 1955, he broke Ty Cobb's record to become the youngest player to win a batting title. And the player that we're talking about, Al Kaline, was one day younger in 1955 than Cobb had been in 1907 when the Georgia Peach won his first title. And despite a history of injuries, he tied Tris Speaker's record of appearing in 100-plus games in the outfield for 19-plus seasons. A future Hall of Famer, Kaline was born on December 19, 1934, in Baltimore, Maryland. In his 22-year career, which spanned from 1953 to 1974, the outstanding right fielder had 3,007 hits, 399 home runs, which is the most in Tigers history as well, 1,582 RBI, 1,622 runs, a 297 batting average, a 376 uh, on-base percentage, a 480 slugging percentage, and an 855 OPS. In the 1968 World Series, Kaline batted 379 with 11 hits, which included two home runs. Playing his, his entire career in Detroit, his nickname was Mr. Tiger. He was an all-star in 15 seasons, won 10 gold gloves, won a batting t- that batting title in 1955, and was a member of the 68 World Series champs. His uniform number six is retired by the Tigers, and he was elected to the Hall of Fame in 1980 uh, with getting 88.3% of the vote on his first time on, on the ballot. Think about Al Kaline the 68 world series uh he had volunteered to um to mayo smith to come off the bench uh but smith had the other ideas and that's when he took ray oiler out and he put um mickey stanley in at shortstop he moved northrop over to center and he kept k-line in le- in right it obviously worked out for him it seemed like a crazy idea could you imagine the mets taking <laughs> you know moving a center field at the shortstop in the world series uh, it just seems uh, crazy, but it paid off for them as they beat the Cardinals, of course, in seven games. And K-Line, as you mentioned, he hits 379 with uh, 11 hits and 29 at-bats, two dingers. Yeah, it seems like there's always like a couple of events or decisions that will define some kind of uh, huge matchup like a World Series or winning a championship and things like that. And that's one of those things that will probably live on forever, uh, especially for the for Tigers fans. Um you know, you make that kind of decision and it works out. I mean, it's one of those things where you make the decision and you're a genius. And if it didn't work out, you're an idiot. But thankfully, they were a genius. So you don't hear, well, they tried hard in New York. That's for sure. <clears throat> no. And uh, and we're going to talk about that in the next show when John Rocker gives his opinion about mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> New York, which he was a real character. So that's a... Um, a wrap for today's show. Um, hope you had some fun with, uh, on the show today, Matt, and uh, where can people find you? Yeah, no, I had a blast. Uh, people can find me on Twitter at mmusico8, and also you can check out MLB Daily Dingers at MLB Daily Dingers on Twitter. And it's easy to find me at tomsvintagebaseball.com. Uh, join, hit me up for a chat, 
And in the show notes, uh, we have links to both um, Matt's Twitter account, Matt's website, and TomsVintageBaseball.com. So it makes it easy for you to uh, hop on over. We appreciate you joining us for today uh, for Vintage Baseball Rewind. And please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Uh, you can visit uh, TomsVintageBaseball.com for more resources as well, um, access to other episodes. Um, I'm putting all the episodes um, in the um, community. So we'd love to get your feedback and uh, reach out via Twitter to Matt or me on uh, TomsVintageBaseball.com. And until next time.